Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Today, our sermon text, Galatians chapter 5, the first verse, and then picking up in verse 13. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit. I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. All right, hang with me. Slaves are free people. Right, like that might sound like the most ridiculous oxymoron you've heard in quite a while. But that's exactly the case that Paul is trying to make to the letter that he sent to this church in Galatia. So let's see if he's able to make his case with you. But for those of you who are exceptionally dialed in, you might have noticed that last week's scripture was just a couple of chapters removed uh, from this week's reading. Last week, chapter 3, Galatians, we listened to Paul make the case that Christians are free from the law of Moses. Remember, he said the law is good, it's beneficial for teaching right from wrong, to help people understand the basics of God's hope and plan. But eventually we mature into a new law of love. 
He, he was addressing a major debate in his day about whether or not Christians had to become Jews first. Does a Christian need to follow the law of Moses, keep kosher and all the rest to be a bona fide Christian? And his answer was no. But today's sermon takes up the question that you know is coming next. As sure as night follows day, this is the next question in the argument. If I'm free, I can do anything I want, right? Isn't that what free means? I'll decide what's right and wrong. I'll decide what's good for me. I'll define my own truth. I will follow my own set of rules. Pastor Charles Swindle tells about the time when his dad gave him the keys to the car for the first time. He said, tell you what, son, you can have the car for two hours all on your own. He said he loved those four words, all on your own. Thanked his dad. He said his pulse rate got to about 180 when he backed out of the driveway and drove off. And then he writes, while cruising along all on my own, I began to think wild stuff like, this car could probably do 100 miles an hour. I could go to Galveston and back twice in two hours if I went 100 miles an hour. I can fly down the Gulf Freeway, even run a few lights. Nobody's here to say don't. Isn't that what most people think freedom is all about. Just no rules at all. Let's go crazy. When I was a teenager, some of my friends had no rules, no curfew. But a lot of my friends had severely tight reins still as teenagers. There there, there was no progression of independence and responsibility as they got older. Their parents still just locked down with restrictions of childhood and I can remember my mother saying, Ooh, when they get to college, right? When Kevin goes to college, they're going to have their hands full. When that cord is cut, in other words, he is going to, when he tastes freedom for the first time, go absolutely wild just to test the limits of it. Well, this is the kind of overaction response that the Apostle Paul fears and that he's addressing in this passage. Paul knows that if he leaves it with, you are free from the law of Moses, just rock on, then there is going to be a frenzy. Free from the law, woo! Party time, no restrictions, no chains, no parents, no rules, no more law of Moses. It's party time now. So, Paul makes his case. But before we turn to the text and the case he's making, let me go ahead and name the unfortunate image in Paul's letter to the Galatians. As you know, one of the strengths of the biblical writers is that they illustrate from what's commonplace in the day, and the problem here is that one of the common practices of that day was slavery. And when Paul uses that image, the image of being a slave, it's just hard for us to get past that to get to hear Paul's truth. 
our own country's deplorable history of persons owning other persons makes this particularly hard to stomach. But hopefully we will find the grace to hear past the offense. Paul says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul has just told us that free people ought to make themselves slaves. How in the world do we make sense of that? How can you be a slave and be free at the same time? Sometimes when I'm preparing the sermon, I have surprises that happen in the study. This doesn't happen every week, but sometimes I get surprised. One of the things that I do every week when I get ready to prepare for a sermon is I sit in the study and just free associate with whatever the theme is for the day. So if I'm preaching on hope, I just think about hope and scribble things. You know, just hope, hope springs eternal. Hope Fisk lived in my neighborhood and she was cute. No, that isn't going to make it in the sermon. But you just, you just go. All right. This week, freedom. Freedom. What about the freedom? I'm jotting on the corner of the legal pad. First thing that comes to mind, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. The line from Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee. Then more lyrics are popping into my head. I keep jotting. I'm Free Falling by Tom Petty. I want to break free from your lies by Queen. So I decide to do a lyric search on the internet, songs about freedom. And here's what I already had in mind. What I thought I was going to be doing was finding that The songs about freedom, the world's view of freedom was going to contrast with the Bible's idea of freedom. I suppose that my lyric search was going to idealize freedom and go the direction of Paul's fear that freedom is defined as nothing ties me down, I can do anything I want, ain't it great to be able to do whatever I choose. So I'm going to show that the world's idea of idealized freedom is different from the Bible's. And then I did the internet search, and this is where I got surprised. Most of the songs I found about freedom didn't idealize it at all. Those who write the songs that move us have recognized that untethered, unencumbered freedom is no freedom at all. In fact, if you listen closely to the songs, it sounds like most people would rather not be free at all. So she listens to the freedom in the silence at her door. No one's missing till you need them. Ain't no fun to sing that song no more. If you could have seen me a third-rate Houdini escaping with lines like, the problem was me, 
Now, freedom's just another word for watching TV. Let the cold, lonely, blue light wash over me. Freedom's just another word for watching TV. Now there's a hole in the wall where no holes should be. We'll end with some B.B. King. Thrill is gone. Thrill is gone away from me. Although I still live on, but so lonely I'll be. I'm free now, baby. I'm free from your spell. If we define freedom as being tied to no master, then it seems like nobody wants to be free. Completely cut loose, untied, floating without any obligations to any other seems to be a freedom nobody wants. Jacques Ellul writes in his book, The Ethics of Freedom, the glorious liberty of the children of God is not the happy fluttering of a butterfly from one attractive flower to another. It is joyous but it's also radical, hard, and absolute. I I love that phrase. I know people, you know people, who have treated freedom just like that, like the happy fluttering of a butterfly from one attractive flower to another. But we also know that their lives end up sad. And Paul says that real freedom is, Involves loyalty to a worthy master. This week we celebrate our nation's freedom, but we know that freedom isn't free. Somewhere between the peach ice cream and the grilled hot dogs, we need to remember that we are free because others have paid the price for that freedom. Millions have risked their lives. Nearly 1.2 million have lost their lives in defense of our freedom. Freedom from sin and the law didn't come free either. Christ died to set us free and paid the price for all. But the 4th of July celebration that commemorates our liberation from the laws of British rule if you go back to that first celebration when the, when the first fireworks were over and the hot dogs of 1776 were all eaten, our new republic quickly got busy making a new set of rules, new laws to live by because ungoverned, unrestrained life is no freedom at all. We need some worthy place to be tied. If there were no traffic laws, if anybody could drive any way they wish, if traffic lights were optional and speed limits were abolished, it would be traffic in Atlanta. (laughs) But the point is that no rules for living just creates chaos, not true freedom. A life without rules... A life with no constraint is no life at all. Eat what you want, drink what you want, pursue anybody you want, indulge all you want. 
And the end result, and you and I have fraternity friends who have played this out. The end result is a pitiful poverty of spirit that looks barely human. So Paul makes the case that people who are free should make themselves slaves to one another. Paul said that that freedom can lend in two directions. First, he calls it a freedom of opportunity for self-indulgence. Self-indulgence is the butterfly's freedom to flutter to one attractive flower after another. Self-indulgent freedom leads to the indulging the flesh, and Paul gives that long, complete list of what that looks like. But there is also this freedom through love to become slaves to one another, mutual service through love. Rather than asking, what can I do to indulge myself? We enslave ourselves to one another and a new question becomes our master. How can I love you? Because if we bite and devour and take for ourselves, Paul says, we will consume each other. So instead, he declares, the whole law is summed up this way. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's not natural. None of this is natural. It's not natural to think that the only way to be free is to choose to be a slave. It's not natural to think about loving the neighbor as much as I love me. It's not natural to give rather than take. None of this is natural. If you put two-year-olds on the floor and one toy, it's not likely that how can I love and serve you is going to be the nature's instinct, right? (laughs) Our nature makes us takers, Butterflies flitting from one attractive flower to another and getting what satisfies our appetite. But Paul said, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. I mentioned the story about the pastor whose dad gave him the keys to the car, the all on your own, remember? He said his first thought was to go 100 miles an hour to Galveston, run all the red lights, but here's what he wrote happened instead. But you know what? I didn't do any of them. I don't believe I drove above the speed limit. In fact, I distinctly remember turning into the driveway early. I had my dad's car all to myself with a full tank of gas in a context of total privacy and freedom, but I didn't go crazy. Why? My relationship with my dad and my granddad was so strong that I couldn't. Even though I had a license and nobody was in the car to restrain me, over, the, over a period of time there had developed a sense of trust, a deep love relationship 
that held me in restraint. Slaves to one another. The answer, the antidote to living out of selfish indulgence is living in community. In deep love relationships, we become mutual, mutually responsible to each other. We are slaves to each other in a way that makes us ultimately free. And we practice neighbor love here at Second Ponds. This is our batting cage. This is where we learn to do what doesn't come naturally. We give and serve and become slaves to one another so that God's spirit of love can expand within us and between us. And you're invited today to join your life into the only slavery that can set you free. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Would you consider the next steps for you in loving that way as we stand and sing together? Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sondays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.